Hey, Julia. Hey, Sam. How's it going? Pretty good. Who did we uh, Who did we talk to today? We talked to Eric William Morris, who is a performer, musician, writer, and currently in King Kong on Broadway. And he's so dreamy. He's real dreamy. You know what I dream about sometimes? What? I dream about that one podcast listener who hasn't yet rated and reviewed us in the iTunes store, but today they make that change. Is that you? Is that you? Can you make Julia's dream come true? Either way, enjoy the podcast. Isn't it frustrating when you see somebody like just struggling with the mic in the middle of singing and you're like, I can help. Oh, no, I'm that person, though. Like, I haven't figured it out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And like, even when everything's set up fine, I'm like, wait, could it be better? I don't know. This doesn't doesn't feel right. This isn't. (laughs) Uh, um, I feel like that's a metaphor for how I interact with so many things. Even when it's been set up fine, I'm anxious that it could be better. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think for for I mean, for me, it's just like just the very fact that there's a microphone there makes me feel like more limited. Like I can't use like my full mm-hmm. bodily, bodily expression. I will, I will, are, we're, we're going right now. Yeah. Right? I would, I would, if I know that I'm singing in front of a microphone, a song that I haven't sung in front of a microphone before, like spend time in my bedroom acting like there's a microphone in front you of me. You practice like with a bottle. Well, it just changes everything yeah. with a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I more like practice it with, like a, a a tall lamp stand in front Smart. of me because it's Smart. just so mm. limiting. Yeah. And if you want me to act like I'm going to act like there's not a microphone in front of me and I'm just supposed to be acting in front of it and singing, then that's one thing. But if somebody's like, hey, this is like a rock song, grab the microphone and act like you're in a band, then I'm like, okay, great. That's fine. I could do that. Oh. I could do that with no my eyes closed. That's easy. That. <laughs> so I I'm on the other like side. That. And that's why it's hard for me. <laughs> but but, it, but it's like, act this song like it's a monologue with this microphone in front of you. Right. It just trips me out. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you practice it. Yeah. I always, I love hearing about people's like preparation and diligence. I don't know why. I find it always like interesting and touching. Though, yeah, you know, sound checks are like, uh, almost traumatic for me sometimes me too. like totally traumatic especially in in the venues where it's like you're singing a song with like and there's 15 other actors singing songs and you get a slot and you go up with the band and you're like you're at 54 below or at joe's pub or at the beachman or wherever this concert's going to be and you have like 10 minutes to go through it and all of your peers are in the audience on their phones not paying attention uh-huh. which is fine but it's also like I will just completely freeze up and be like, oh, my God, this is what it's going to be like. Oh, God. I won't be able to. Nobody's going to be paying attention. And I I don't sound good. And I'm going to be pushing. And yeah, I go through. Yeah. Because the other thing is like in those scenarios, like you never know what you're going to be getting like in the monitor. Nope. And so (laughs) and, and also all of those other 15 people who are also performing in that same concert probably have different preferences for what they want in the monitor. Completely. So every everyone who goes up at Centric is like, oh, I feel like the monitor's a little loud. Or like, oh, I feel like the monitor's a little quiet. Yeah, no. <laughs> and you so agree. like they can't really adjust it because everyone's asking for different things. I'm just thinking about it. I saw this concert one time in Ocean City, New Jersey, where it was like, it was this this group of women singing old doo-wop songs, but like during the concert, one of the four women was not happy with the sound and continuously let the, the dude know, like passive aggressively, like as in as if people in the audience didn't know that she was like, well, you know, things are going great, like talking to her other castmate. Things are going great, but if I can only hear a little bit more of that guitar. Oh, and no. <laughs> sitting in the audience, I was like, don't do that. She thought she was being they're, so slick. They're never going to ask you back again. And oh, also, man. like, we're all just kind of like, I'm not invested in what you can hear up there. I'm just kind of like, yeah, do your thing. I want my one heroic sound related moment was I was playing piano for a show like a concerty show at Ars Nova of big money and I never played piano for anything but somehow I'd been like grandfathered into this because my then boyfriend was playing the bass got it and the monitors went out such that I couldn't hear the keyboard at all no and we just there was no intermission so we just had to go through to the end were you were you sure that they could hear the keyboards of Yes. Yeah. So, so like, <laughs> there was no spiraling. Like I'm making no sound. <laughs> but it felt like it. Like I think the singers could hear. And you felt yeah. good about that. Uh, but it was so scary. And you never are a person who plays your own stuff. Like if you're doing a reading of your own stuff, you never play it. Yeah, pretty much never. You always will put a music director. Yeah. Do you feel because it helps you learn more about your stuff when somebody else does it, and you're able to sit back? <laughs> Do you know it's what I mean? mainly 
mainly just that I can't, I write much harder than I can play. Ah, got it. Like got sometimes, because I actually think it feels so cool to be able to play your own stuff. So For like sure. if I'm doing a show at Rockwood, which I've done like twice in my life, mm-hmm. I'll pick a set list of like the 10 songs I think I can wrap my that fingers around. you can around. nail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's like about the limit of it. I got it. I got it. Yeah. I feel like there's got to be something also too when you're playing your own stuff and it's for any reason other than in a concert, you're not going to end up listening right. to it dramatically. Like if you're trying to learn something about it, but you're also worried about it sounding good for like a director or something. Yeah. You're just like, which is always much. the thing I feel like with development in general, the like split between trying to learn something and trying to make it good for whatever the final thing is. Oh my God. Oh my God. There is yeah. the blurred lines between that drives me nuts, Yeah. which is like, why are we doing this reading? Is yeah. it so you can get a producer or is it because you want to hear what it sounds like? Because like I'm down for either of them, but like you got, you got to be clear. Yeah. Got to be clear because if we're trying to like polish up things and make the choral sections tight, then let's spend time on that. But if that doesn't matter because you just want right. to hear what it sounds like, then let's not waste time on that. Yeah. You know, right. that kind of stuff. Sometimes you don't know what you're getting into. Do you feel like people are able to express that clearly? I feel the times it gets most blurry are when theaters are interested in a piece. Right. right? Like they're the ones who are like, you know, fill in the blank nonprofit, big regional theater has is not commissioning this piece, but they might pick it up in their mm-hmm. season and they just want to get together around a table and hear it. You know what I mean? <laughs> they make it sound so fun and casual. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll give you guys 29 hours to like put it together and then we'll come in at the end and just like eavesdrop. And you're kind of like, I'm sure as a composer, as a writer, you're like, well, this needs to be a product. Yeah, totally. You know? And then, so I feel like that's when it gets muddy. Yeah. Where it's like, for the people who are writing it, it's not you. It's not for you to listen anymore. Yeah. Even though they want you to like think that you're learning something. Even though, like theoretically, the goal of any development is like development of the piece. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But like sometimes these development opportunities are more of just like an audition than yeah. than an actual an opportunity for development. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. Does mm. that? make it less fun for the performers in that scenario if you really know that like oh this is sort of like an angsty showcasey thing as opposed to like a time to play well the thing the, th- the thing that came to my mind immediately is like for me any type of workshop also feels like an audition for me yes mm. in front of all of the people in the room completely to show the kind of work that I can do so even if the the um writers or whoever's in charge are treating it very casually, I still want to show up and bring my A-game because so much of my career has been from people seeing me do work like that leading to other work. Yes, me too. And it's almost like, let's call it what it is. If you want this to be a showcase for your thing, then at least I know that I need to be prepared. And there's no BS about, oh, it's just casual and don't worry about learning all this stuff. It's like... Mm we are all on the same page. I'm going to get this as good as I can get it. Yeah. And so let's just like call it what it is. This is a performance. Yeah. <laughs> but then I also feel like I've definitely experienced it. It seems like people are telling me that it's supposed to be casual because they feel bad that, you know, cause like there isn't a whole lot of money in, in most of these like readings and workshops and they right. feel bad to be asking that much of us Yeah, yeah. in that kind of setting. And so they're saying like, hey, like it, 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 they're basically like coming to us and like telling us that it's us doing them a favor. Right. Um, which, which it is, it is. in yeah. a certain way. Yeah. And also, um, and also it's, it's such an opportunity for us to showcase our work too in Completely. front of like industry people. But also this and this like, isn't this what we're talking about in this specific podcast is that yeah. we're all passionate about new work and that's yeah. what we do. And so yeah. it's almost like, it's uh, yeah, sure. It's a favor in 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 that nobody's paying anybody like a lot of money. Yeah. But it's also like the truth of the situation is that I go home and I pour myself into it and have yeah. a great experience and it, like, doing feeds that. Feeds your soul. It fully feeds yeah. your soul. Yeah, and yeah. that's yeah, and and some of the my most I could get nostalgic about readings I've done even more than some productions that I've done yeah. for real. Like yeah. really, oh my god, remember that one week we got to spend on that thing where it was just so good and then oh god when are we going to be able to do that again yeah. like there's been so many things like because, that because because sometimes i think part of the act of like development and like coming together to like make something better 
is more satisfying than like coming together to put up a perfectly polished show. Completely. Yeah. And when you're putting together a perfectly polished show, uh, yeah, a lot gets lost. A lot of that, those like guts and yeah, like the bigger things get, the more people have opinions about it that aren't you. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? And then it's like, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> ironically, I want to say that like you're like in like one of the biggest shows ever right ever. now. Right. But like when I saw it, I didn't feel like the guts got lost at all. Like, yeah, it, def- it definitely feels like this huge spectacle show that also has this very intimate um, story. I mean, that's that's what I was attracted to it. The, my first and we're talking about King Kong, my first um experience with it was a three-week lab that was actually for development's sake like they already had the theater they already had whatever money they needed the puppet was working (laughs) so you know they made that so just like a a brief history of what this was they put uh, king kong out of production in in melbourne australia in 2013 uh, that ran for like five or six months that was mostly pre-existing songs like jukebox songs but also some other songs put in oh uh and but the puppet is the same as that so the producers like this is great let's let's now do an original musical so they scrapped the the whole script and they scrapped almost all of the songs there's one song that still exists but has been changed lyrically but that was written for a specific moment it's that lullaby song that full moon lullaby song Mm -hmm. um but other than that, they were like, okay, let's do a whole new thing. And so they took their time, developed it for a number of years. And so by the time I got around to it, which was almost a year ago, it was in like this November of 2017, it was a three-week lab where they were like, we were in a rehearsal room. There was literally a guy walking around stage acting like a monkey. <laughs> and he was amazing. And I would have paid to have seen that show, like uh-huh. for real. Uh, but the rest of us were just putting together like a fully staged three-week lab. Um, and that was what I was attracted to. It was that it felt like they were very clear about a story they wanted to tell about like a strong female protagonist who, uh, you know, is going to get what she's going after. And then when she does, like, what is the cost of these sacrifice or these, um, uh, you know, when you compromise, Mm -hmm. there you go. Mm -hmm. Where did I just go? (laughs) Yeah. So, and then, so what is the cost of all these compromises she's made to get what she wants? Right. And so that's what I felt like the story they told, like, well, um, I have to say, putting it into a huge Broadway house with an actual 20-foot puppet and the sound and the lights, you, like, sometimes are worried that that gets lost. Like, the thing Mm. that you make in the rehearsal room does get lost, you know? I don't think it does. I mean, that's that's my experience of seeing it. But, like, like the spectacle of it was really amazing. But, like, what really struck me about the show was that it, like, the storytelling on the intimate scale was, like, really exciting yeah thank you yeah I mean I I I felt that way too yeah and I felt like um the staging and the choreography are very uh, intricate and big and emotional and they're not it's not like literal literal storytelling it's very narrative and emotional Mm. feeling storytelling Uh, that's going on behind the action yeah uh which I which I thought was really cool and that was like the world they wanted to set up so that when you meet the the monkey like you, you kind of are, your eye is already trained to realize that like movement happening around you might not be literal. Like it's huh. just, it's the feeling of something. Yeah. They're commenting on the action that's happening. That's uh, so cool. It's cool. I mean, I, I do it's enjoy that kind it. of like way of thinking of things that it's so hard to cultivate when all you ever do is stuff at music stands. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that is so yeah. well said. Yes, you can. They were like, yeah, you can no longer hear the songs and say the words at music stands. It was like. And with that three-week lab, there were 30 dancers cast to do that. And so with King Kong, there's three principal actors, and then there's 32 people who are in the ensemble who are either the puppeteers and also part of the movement dancing ensemble or just mainly dancing ensemble. So it's like, it's it's a crazy way to tell a story, which is huge. It's enormous. It's loud. It's crazy. It's nice. It's, yeah. It's a... So... you guys have been open three or four months? <coughs> yeah, we'll have our 100th performance on Sunday. Oh, nice. exciting. Yeah, I know. We opened on November 8th. Yeah. and So I, I think this is the first time we've talked to someone like in the middle of like an open-ended run. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's so I guess that. I'm curious, like, what are you thinking about right now? That is such a great question. <laughs> um, what I'm thinking about right now is um, 
is the balance between effort and ease. Mm. I took a I took a yoga class. I you know I did, but 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 months ago this teacher said that like you know in, when you're in the middle of this strenuous activity, this crazy pose, think about both that balance between how much you have to put into it and how much you can relax into it. Um, and I, as a human being, tend to push really hard on myself. Um, in many ways, like I, I, sometimes I just like hate what I'm doing. Like I just like in the middle of doing something, will just hate it so much that I want to like curl up into a ball. Do you know what I mean? And, and that, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I, I listen, it's, it's why you're an interesting actor, I think. And I'm not just saying that I, cool. because I am too, but like, but because, well, when I watch you, Sam, like I do watch you go through something in the present moment, which yeah. is what I always connect to. Like you're always listening. And sometimes I, I, I try that too. And doing it for a hundred performances, sometimes I'm like, "You're full of shit. You're not listening. Eric. <laughs> You're not listening at all, Eric. Like, what are you doing?" So what I'm going through right now is right now it feels like a vocal thing for me, where I am trying to learn how to um, how to how to not push on my voice in times when I mm -hmm. genuine when I have traditionally done that in in the past. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a little microphone in the top of my head that picks up so much, and I can pour 100% of my voice into something, or I can smartly pour like 70%, and nobody can tell the difference because that's the way those mics work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and I can't sustain. And with King Kong, my character, every scene is super high stakes. It's like get the monkey onto the boat, or else I owe $10,000, and when I get home, I will die. Or like you need to get out there and do the performance that you told or else I will get my knees broken. It's like every scene I'm in is like high stakes, high energy. Uh, and I tend to like throw myself into it. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm learning how to, how to like, how to sing differently huh. <laughs> in front of 1700 people, which is terrifying. The best yeah. place to learn. The best place to learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it started to click a little bit. Cool. Over the past few weeks, it started to be like, I'm, I'm studying with a voice teacher named Mike Ruckles, who's mm -hmm. really wonderful. And he's really trying to like open me up to this like easy resonance that I can find in a way that I didn't know I was able to before that made me like, why haven't I been studying with this guy for longer? Because it's really, it's helped. It's helped a lot. So that's where my head is right now in the middle of that's 90s. gotta be so crazy to be like this far into your career and being like, oh, there's a different way to like do that. Yes, humbling. And like you have to be like, I'm a beginner at this. I'm learning something new. Huh. And uh, I feel like you talked with my wife, Elise Allen Lewis, for a while about the artist's way. Uh -huh. Yes. Uh, yes, which was something that I was doing at like, uh, I guess it's been about two years, but something that Julia Cameron, the, art, the uh, author of that, uh, stressed was give yourself the grace of being a beginner. Like, mm. let yourself learn new things, even if you are 36 years old yeah. and supposed to be a Broadway singer who knows everything. But even though you know you don't, <laughs> you can, like, really learn a lot when you're, like, there's a different, easier way to do this. And okay. if you have to flop in front of people for a little bit, whoops. Mm -hmm. Like, at least you learned something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which goes back to, I feel like we talk about this in, like, all sorts of atmospheres of, like, creating safe environments for failure and how, like, it doesn't really feel like there are any, but that they're so necessary. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> safe environments for failure. Where are they, would you say? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those rehearsal rooms that we speak about, there are. Yeah. Well, I've been be. thinking about that a lot lately. L similar to what I was saying earlier, like, like theoretically the point of the rehearsal process is to like try things yes. and figure out what works mm -hmm. but i do have somewhere deep within me this like fear that if i'm like showing myself to like fail in a rehearsal room everyone's looking and being like oh wow what is he doing you know what i mean yes yes even though that's what rehearsals rehearsal are for. Mm. Rehearsal is, yes. I also feel like even just time-wise, like when I'm thinking back at Loneliest Girl in San Diego, it's like we hit each scene maybe three times. Yeah. It's really? like it doesn't feel like there's literally time to fail. Yeah. You guys, how was Loneliest Girl in San Diego? Have you talked about it yet on this podcast? We have yeah, talked about we it a little bit. Okay, well, then you don't need to. With well, then never mind. <laughs> <laughs> then that's good. Then we'll talk about but it, it off. Great. Can't wait to hear more about it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah like. With rehearsal, right? Like rehearsal should always be what it feels like. Um, I remember I did something called Dog and Pony, which is a new musical written by um, 
uh, Rick Ellis wrote the book and uh, Michael Patrick Walker at the music. And it was directed by Roger Reese, who just passed away a couple years ago. It was like the last thing that he directed. And they, it was at the Old Globe in mm-hmm. San Diego mm-hmm. also. And there was, um, you know, sometimes they're like, oh, this person's gonna come and watch you rehearse and they're an observer from whatever thing. And then they sit there and they watch you rehearse. And uh, this musical, there are only five cast members in it. And we were trying to figure it out together. I remember after the, like somebody was watching us rehearse and then the person left and Roger was just like, okay, like thank, thankfully that, that very sweet person is gone. But, <laughs> you know, I, I always feel like in rehearsal, I just need to go ape shit. And, and, and it's pretty impossible to do that when people are watching. So let's just like shake it off and continue. And that was something that I always remembered is kind of like, you do want to feel like I have this impulse right now. Like, what if I just, like, grab you by the ear and mm-hmm. take you across the stage? Will that work? I don't know unless I do it. Yeah. And I got to be able to feel like I can. Yeah. Do you, so, so how often do you feel like you can? <clears throat> I try to, to think I can all the time. Yeah. I try to think I can in front of an audience. Otherwise, you're, I'm not listening. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Otherwise, yeah. I'm not, like, if I'm, like, if I actually believe anything could happen, then it can. Right? Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like there's exactly this, what you mean. there's this scene in King Kong where I just chew this the 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 female uh, Anne Darrow is a character named Christiane Pitts, wonderful actress who plays her. Where I just chew her out and end up just berating her. And I one night grabbed her by the face during like uh, previews, and she was so game, and it worked so wonderfully that they like made me put it in every night. And then they like made me put in another one in. So there's like now two face grabs that like her and I know are coming, but sometimes mm. I don't do them. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I don't yeah. do the second one. If yeah. she's if she's if she's looking at me, I don't need to grab her face again and make mm-hmm. her look right. at me. Do you know what I mean? It's like that kind of thing. But yeah. oh, if you so do cool. feel yeah, if you do feel like it sort of reminded me because you do play also with bands and stuff about yeah. like with you're doing if you're doing a song with a band you have infinite freedom to be like I'm just gonna do it this way this time oh my god and that yeah. like feels okay yeah and it feels safe and I feel like having the freedom to do that and even in front of an audience is is the kind of actor like I want to be yeah I don't know if I am all the time but it's definitely the kind that I want to be you yeah. Know? yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like certain types of writing and certain pieces sort of leave more room for that than others. Yes, I do. I do, but I feel like the trick is um, not really believing that. I don't, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like sometimes I've, I've done, I've done like a lot of on-camera like TV stuff, yeah, and I yeah. think that I didn't feel any freedom at first doing that stuff because I didn't understand the way they rehearse and shot in the same day, and I didn't know when I was supposed to play and when I wasn't. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I yeah. think that like. I've always felt constricted by that. And then eventually you're just like, oh, I can do whatever the hell I want, whenever the hell I want to. And that's the point. And if there's something wrong, somebody will tell me. And if they don't tell me, then it's not my fault. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Because if, if you have a problem with something, just tell me and I won't ever do it again. I like to think I'm like a pretty approachable human being. And uh-huh. I feel Very like that's, so. been, that's been like a, that's been a lesson is, I was actually speaking with Elise, my wife, earlier today. And she's like, She's, this is personal, but she was like, I feel like sometimes I get so anxious that I'm over empathetic with people, but I'm worried that if I lose my anxiety, then I'll lose my empathy. Mm. And I was like, I don't think that's true. Like, I think those are like separate parts of your heart. And I don't think you need to focus on grabbing your anxiety to help you with your empathy. And I kind of would like to feel that like, I'm pretty neurotic about shit all the time, especially when I'm doing acting things. And if I take a risk and I'm grabbing somebody by the face, I'm going to be the first one after the, the scene is over to be like, yo, is that okay that I grabbed you by the face? Mm-hmm. And, if, and, if, and if I'm the first one who like knows that I took a risk there, and th- then I feel like I can at least put that away because if somebody else has a problem with something I'm doing, I've probably already thought about it five times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I like that attitude a lot. Yeah. I sympathize with Elise. I too feel like anxiety to me feels a little bit like vigilance like if i let go of it i'm gonna let something bad happen it's almost superstition yeah yeah which then makes you be like well what kind of what kind of universe are you believing in if you think that something bad's gonna happen just because you're not worrying about it Mm. you know because it's like also like worry doesn't equal care i like to believe you know what i mean just because i'm not worried doesn't mean i don't care 
this is something I tell myself every day because I'm worried every day. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, literally something I've written on my hand yeah. before I walk out on stage when I'm like, you can calm down. Yeah. Relaxation is not being passive. It's actually like being focused. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Um, wow. I need to write around. that on my hand. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well. And then it comes off, and you don't know. You're like, what did that? What does that say? What was Not I supposed to do? If I tattoo it. Oh <laughs> shit! Do you guys have any tattoos? No, I have no tattoos. I have no tattoos either. Man, we're so unhip. I don't know. I feel pride in my like lack of tattooness. Good for you. <laughs> Me too. Um, I wonder. I mean, take swinging this back around to like, I wa- I I talked about this with you uh, like very briefly after I saw King Kong. Of, yeah. Like, I told you like. I didn't want you to be the villain because I like wanted everyone to love you. I know, I know. <laughs> but like, I wonder if there is more freedom playing a character like that. Because mm-hmm. like I was saying, like I play the character that everyone's supposed to like go on the ride with. Like always, who's supposed to be likable? Yeah. And so I, I wonder if, ironically, that like makes me feel a little more trapped. That like I have mm. to do something that they're gonna like because they won't like me if I do something. Yeah. Yeah. Unseemly. Yeah. Yeah. There is something uh, freeing about letting yourself be ugly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's it's a weird. It's you're not like going for the ugly choice, but there is something that that feels sometimes like people like so people who aren't in our in our business sometimes have a hard time who are like family and friends coming mm-hmm. to see me play a role where people don't like me. Yeah. Mm. And there's always, and I play a dick a lot. Like I play a dick a lot on television too. And I've played a lot of, I just played a lot of assholes, like many different kinds of assholes, <laughs> but like assholes, a lot of them. That's so funny because you're like in the top percent of like a likable human. <laughs> I wonder why that keeps I, But I feel like maybe that, that's very nice of you. But I think like maybe that's also what, what is mm. appealing is that you think that maybe I'm coming from a nice place and mm. then I'm not. I don't know. Do you know? Yeah. No, well, that's exactly, exactly what it is in King Kong. Yeah. When you come out, you're like, oh, who's this weird guy? Like, yeah, he's going to save this girl. Yeah. Yeah. And then he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. But there's also so like there's people. Yeah. So my m- people who aren't in our business, I think it makes them feel uncomfortable that I, that people are sitting in a theater actively not liking me. Like it's going to be damaging somehow to either my career or my <laughs> life or like my psyche or something. Yeah. I don't know. But there is something freeing to be like, yeah, I just went on on stage and like took a shit on that human being and walked off and you fucking hated me. It's weird. But yeah. but like if I do something that, you know, if I'm actually listening on stage and I'm actually sometimes like bringing my own baggage or anger out there and taking it out on somebody and you hear people in the audience sometimes like ooh, <laughs> i'm like well fuck you you know because you probably just related to something ugly that i just did and yeah. then i walked off stage and then you were left with like that asshole i hope he doesn't come back out. <laughs> <laughs> but i hope it was genuine you know yeah, yeah they, i think that's the fear is that um playing a villain you can veer into doing like mustache twirly evil things, right. which mm-hmm. are just like, Oh, that guy's just a dick because he's was written that way <laughs> instead right. of like, Oh, I see his insecurities and right. I know how he could have gotten defensive and aggressive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing is yeah. that's, I mean, that's just, it's so much more interesting and honest. I hope. Yeah. 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 So combining two villains that I know of you playing being King Kong and, the is it the squip? Yes, the squip. Chill? Yes, absolutely. Was it? I was like vicariously heartbroken that you could not do both of those shows at the same time. So was I, I. Yeah. <laughs> did that? How much in advance did you like know that that was going to happen? That was a tough. That was a tough one. That was a that was a very tough one. I mean, yeah. I feel like the the purpose of our getting together today is to just like have a conversation and be honest. But that was hard. Yeah. That was um, I got a this the King Kong offer about. Um, three and a half months before the off-Broadway run of Be More Chill was announced and there was a period of time in which it looked like I could have done both for a hot second but like it really just was never going to be satisfying for either mm-hmm. party either I would have had to leave the the run of Be More Chill halfway through mm-hmm. or it's just something mm-hmm. crappy like that um, but yeah but also I have to say in the past few months weeks whatever i have like uh, made the turn into super be more chill fan and supporter and like 
there is so much room for everybody in the world to like to 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 make things, especially really good things like be yeah. more chill. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yes, yeah. Wait, so what was I'm you? Glad yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just I felt like the in, villain question. Yeah. Oh <laughs> no, I was mainly <laughs> just thinking about like oh, how much I like you in that part. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. glad you're in the album. Thank you. Yes, me too. <laughs> it's a it's a really great album too, which is awesome. Yeah. But I feel like we've talked about that with you too about the thing of like. I mean, you seem to work very consistently, but like the when it rains, it pours of just right. like yeah. having two things that Completely. you've been attached to that you're like emotionally invested in having mm-hmm. big moves at the same time. Just yeah. like, why does that happen? Yes. I, yeah. You just, it's totally. Yeah. And um, it may seem like, oh, you're pretty consistently working, but it never feels like that for anybody. I don't think at all. <laughs> yeah. But yes. But those two things happening at the same time was like, great. <laughs> Thanks. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know, it's insane. Sam's shaking it's his rough. head like, uh. It's rough. <laughs> How many things did you miss out on for going to San Diego for one week? Four things? Yeah, I mean, they were not on the scale of this. Yeah, but, but like, like four different people were like, hey, you want to work on this project? And I had to be like, I'm going to be in San Diego for a week. And they were like, sorry. Well, just a, a week? This we is did for the like our pre- Got we it. did a workshop like right. in the fall before. Got it, got it, got it, got it. A diversity, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah diversionary. Yeah. Diversionary. Sorry, diversionary. We, yeah. Uh, yeah, we were just out there for one week just doing one final reading. Got it. And in that one week, <laughs> I missed out on four things. Four. <laughs> Good. But. Um, Lonely. And then came home and then for the rest of the year, nothing rolled in. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no, no. I was reading something an interview with you i think yeah. and you said something i really liked so i wanted to oh, say no. it again say it you were talking about guarding your joy yeah. in the business yes yes tell us more <laughs> sure yeah i think that i think that was in reference to um uh king kong getting like a legendarily snarky review mm. um that like somebody i think it might have been jen tepper asked me a question in the interview that we did but she but it was like um Oh, why you don't read reviews when you're an actor, I think was the question. Mm. And I think that the reason is that uh, 10 years ago, I don't think I believed that anybody didn't read reviews. Like, I read a review of everything I'd ever been in, absolutely. Like I still I, read a review of well, everything I touch. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. I mean, but I think that it's different things sometimes for writers, too. Mm. Do you know That's what I mean? That's true, yeah. Yeah. And I got it probably got absolutely 100% more personal for a writer because you – is your baby. You created it. It was your idea. And yeah. then somebody comes along and is like, this sucked, that sucked. And you're like, and then you, you can't do anything about yeah. it. But as an actor in a production, when you got to go out the next day and do it, yeah. that it's just, I have read reviews and then walked out the next day and been completely affected by what they said for yeah. the rest of a run. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I've been, I've, I've been in shows where somebody gets a good review and somebody mm-hmm. doesn't. And then you feel audiences respond in kind to what you think they that they've all read the review oh Oh, this is the funny guy so we're gonna laugh at all the shit he said because that's what the review said well and even like it's it's crazy how it like i used to usher and there was one particular show in the theater that like audiences were like not responding too well and then the new york times review came out and it was a rave and then all of a sudden Uh the response like changed overnight and like one one of the actors was like I guess you get a good review in the Times, and all of a sudden your show's so much better. But like what <laughs> they were doing on stage did not change at and, all. And so that's I think that's guarding your joy because how mm. do you find any genuine place to keep creating shit if all you're thinking about is what somebody said about it in a paper? And that well, does that make my experience less valid because yeah. somebody didn't think it was good? Like no. And also I I'm in this show right now. I'm in King Kong. It's open ended. The sales are going well. It's gonna be going for a while. And so what am I? How am I supposed to grow from? whatever the hell you think about what I'm doing, no matter who you are. I mean, I do, listen, there's like great moments for feedback and there's great moments for notes and there's great moments for all that. But when you're doing a thing that then gets put up like a review in a paper and you know everybody's read it and then you got to go out and do the thing again, it feels like my goal here is to get better, is to like keep finding new stuff and keep staying present and I love what I do and like the joy of that is my own and it is a selfish thing, but it's not like, it's, it's like, I don't want, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm with my arms right now. I'm covering <laughs> myself. Like I'm hugging myself, but I'm trying to protect that like little inner child that needs to play every night. Yeah. And if he's not, 
if he's not down to come out and play, then like I, I've failed him a little bit. Do you know what I mean? And it doesn't matter what the mean people say about you. You still got to go out there and, and play and, and really make playful choices. Yeah. And if there's the weight of the world on your back, you're just, um, again, like I will crawl up my own ass and not like myself. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think that's what guarding my joy is. I like that. Yeah. 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 Does it play differently? Another thing I'm curious about, since you have done like film and TV Mm -hmm. as well as like theater, I'm curious about like the differences and how that feels. The process is so different. Yeah. The process is specifically if there's like a TV, TV things happen so quickly where you, you show up, you know, your stuff the day of whatever scene you're supposed to shoot, you go there, you read it once and then they're like, all right, so let's like kind of block it. And you're like, all right, well my character needs to get coffee. So I'll walk over here. And then as you do that, there's somebody behind you just like putting a piece of tape on the floor underneath your feet <laughs> where you've just made a decision that's that's huh. where you're going to go get coffee and it's locked in now. Oh, wow. And then you are like, well, I guess I got to go over here. And then they do that. And then they're like, okay, go away for an hour while we light this. And then they light it. You go wherever you go into like a tiny trailer to keep working on your scene. You come back and it's like camera rehearsal, which is pretty much you're doing the scene and they're just making sure that they have the camera set. And it's like, all right, go away for another 10 minutes while we like get everything right, make sure it's perfect. And then you go, you know, and that's it. And then you're on and that's it. And they always start with a wider shot. And then as it goes along, it gets in and the close ups are, are what they end up on. So. That's that's what you're doing. Like, Do you think that's because they think you're settling into your emotional beats and like they want your face at the end? It would be nice if that was why they did it, but <laughs> I think it's why they do it because uh, mostly with television scenes, I bet you you'll notice this now, every scene starts as an establishing we're in this room with these oh. many people, and then now these two people are having the conversation, so you're in a two-shot of these people, and then it gets down to like what they're actually meaning to say, and you're over the shoulder looking at another person, and then like the, the zinger at the end of the line, at the end of the scene, is the thing that's the close-up. You know what I mean? And that's pretty much the way that those, especially a lot of cop shows shot in New York. So many cop shows are shot in New York where it's like, we're in this room for this reason. We need to get this information. And by the end of it, we're moving on to the morgue or like whatever the hell. Do you know what I mean? So that's, that's a lot of the reason why they shoot TV scenes like that is like, it's like establishing place, time, people in the room, what needs to be said, and then getting it. So practical. All of it is so practical. It's so practical. Yeah. It's so practical. But you still got to find time to play, right? You still yeah. got to like find your your space in there, yeah. But so that's like the process of a television show. Films, I think, can like be their own thing, uh, in their own way. And you can you have like a, I remember I was doing this like independent film in 2012, and there was this big scene where my character like literally found a treasure and was so relieved that it changed his life. And I remember shooting it in the middle of of the of the schedule of shooting things. And I just walked away from it being like, that sucked for days until finally with the, the director, we were like staying in a cabin shooting this, like a cabin in the woods thing. And I was like, dude, can we just do that scene one more time? And he was like, okay. Huh. And we got to do it again because we were making a film. And he was like, yeah, if you felt like you could bring something more to it, we'll like knock an hour off of something else and we'll do it then. And it was like, okay, nice. Yeah. I always find it so interesting Sometimes I am aligned, but I feel like more often than not, I'm really surprised if an actor is like, can we do this? Like if you're recording or something, say they're like, I don't think I nailed it. Can you do it again? And like you're sitting there listening, being like, I thought it was pretty perfect, but like they must have been picking up on something. So sure. For sure. For sure. I'm sure sure that's like that's like that in recording studios all the time. But it's usually your money in a recording studio. (laughs) So you're like, no, you can't do it again. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still learning. I feel like how to get better about managing those precious like recording studio seconds. Cause Man. I feel like there's for me, like the biggest shift is like before and after I realized that pitch is the easiest thing in the world to, f- to fix so, after the fact. So easy. Yeah. Crazy. Like, I feel like I wasted so much time like doing retakes of things just for like a note, but like who cares? They got that. They got yeah. that. Yeah. They just boop, bump it up. Yeah. I saw my friend, um, Ian Kagey, who's like, uh, he, he, he works for uh, Berkeley and he runs a recording studio, but like saw him like mastering and doing things with cast albums on a train on the way back from something where he was like, this is what it sounded like before. And this is what it sounded like after. And I got to sit, sit with him and I was like, Oh, 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 okay. Wow. Yeah. You fixed that. Didn't you? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and you can't tell. Yeah. The, the, the finished product doesn't sound auto tuned or no, not yeah. at all, but it definitely sounds like in the middle of the pitch. Right. For sure. <laughs> which is like leads to that, um, 
we did uh, we did like this Brazilian press Broadway thing, like their show this year was to come see King Kong. And afterwards we like met a few of them and one of them had an 11 year old daughter and she was there and and she was kind of like being a little bit shy looking at me and then finally she just went, you guys lip synced, right? And oh. I was like, no, like everything you heard and saw on stage was happening on stage. And she kind of like didn't really believe me. But then was like, well, where were the microphones? And I was like, they were in all of our hair. And she was like, oh. And I'm thinking, like, if I'm 11 years old in 2019, I don't know what I believe. Yeah, seriously. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And also, like, what is your intake? Is, like, the voice? Mm-hmm. The voice, uh -huh. man. And that's what people expect when they come to see musicals. I think yeah. people who don't know, like, you know, if you're 11 and, like, there's YouTube videos and there's the voice and then there's I'm going to see this live Broadway show with a huge monkey. <laughs> you must be lip syncing. There's no way you're doing that. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, well, because like everything you see on the internet, you have no idea no. if it's been doctored or <laughs> photoshopped or whatever. No. You know, so. I was just, this isn't that related, but I saw the movie Glass last night and they have this big thing. I don't know if this spoils. Does, does it matter if I spoil the last ending last of Glass? Last, it no. doesn't matter to me, but it might matter to one of our listeners. Yes. <laughs> anyway, there's Julie. an oh, ending that hinges goes. on releasing something to the media. Like the big ending is like the world will see this thing. Uh -huh. And I couldn't help thinking just now that like releasing something to the media is not any guarantee that people will believe that thing right. or that like the majority of people will agree that they saw the same Fake thing news. or that there's even a like a like a communion like a community experience nobody is watching the same thing yeah. right do you know what i mean right. like i or finding out the same thing at the same time never happens anymore either it's like yeah. we're going to release this yeah. thing and it's like well if it's not on my facebook feed i don't know if i saw it right <laughs> do, you, do you know what i mean <laughs> Crazy. I'm forever trying to get my Twitter feed to show me things I am interested in. Yeah, are you? Other, I haven't got that balance yet, <laughs> <laughs> but other people seem to like have that worked out. I'm always afraid that I'm missing big news things mm -hmm. because I'm following like, I don't know, 90 or 100 people and I don't know what they are. And it's like, I'm just looking at puppies and CNN. <laughs> I don't right. know what I'm missing. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's an interesting thing is like, like I definitely have realized lately that I get all of my news from social media, Yeah. which like probably isn't the best way to get all of my news i get that's the thing is who i don't i don't know yeah i mean but but what else is on your phone at least you can like <laughs> plug into i mean there's a lot on your phone but you know what i mean like what like we don't all watch the oj simpson trial anymore like right. we don't all watch the same thing right. at the same time we're not all going through it anymore and here's yeah. the thing is like i feel more likely to trust my friends to point mm. me to yeah. what they care about mm -hmm. than I do some like media outlet to point me to what's important, you know? That's true. And so if a bunch of my friends are sharing the same thing and then I'm like, oh, let me like figure out what this is. That's totally true. And to my shame, I feel like there's many areas of life in which I feel very curious and I feel sort of proud of that curiosity. But I do feel like it takes a thing showing up in my feed like two or three times. I'm like, oh, I guess this is a yeah, thing I should know this? about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. I miss I miss so much because of that. Yeah, what do they say? Something like something needs to be plopped into your brain like seven times. Oh, yeah. In oh. order for you to actually yeah. remember that something's happening. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Which is like how all advertising works for Broadway shows. Right. It's like they do the cab things, and then they do the subway <gasps> billboards, and, and then the they mailers. get on your phone, and yeah. then they, they do it seven times. So yeah. you're like, oh, I guess there's a show I'm supposed to see. <laughs> <laughs> it's been seven times <laughs> since, yeah. Although I do feel it's six. I remember clearly like, hearing someone speculating about maybe does it seem like the cast of XYZ show isn't that enthusiastic in their Facebook posts about the show and like that'll stick with me immediately of like oh, I'm suspicious now. Oh yes they're oh, all whoa. not in it for the right reasons. Huh. Wow that's like next level. <laughs> next what next level. Yeah, like I, I, I've never considered that once. Huh. <laughs> if people are like earnest or just like doing lip service and they're posting. Yeah, well, because like I don't think I've ever done lip service in my postings. Not that I've ever been in a production of that scale where someone's like asking me to like post on social media as part of their like grand marketing mm -hmm. scheme. Yeah. But like it's never really occurred to me to like do that. I always use it as a litmus. Like if I'm doing a concert or something, this is so lame and bad, but like the day of the concert, 
I'll go to like the Facebook pages of like people in the concert and I'll just look at, you know, like some concerts, like everyone in your concert posts about it. Aww. And some concerts, like only you post about it. And you're no. like, that's maybe, you know, how this is going. But I think that's less <laughs> of a sign oh, no. of like their, their opinion of the quality of your work and more of a sign of like their ability to be a good marketing machine for yeah, themselves yeah you know yeah for sure and that's like i don't know how often i've posted about when i've been involved with your work but every time i've been like stoked to do it but i'm not a good marketing machine for myself so mm-hmm. i'm not necessarily out there broadcasting that to the world and i definitely don't mean it as like shade on anyone who like doesn't do that Things but you but you shady. are internalizing it Just as kidding. something sad yes when yes. it's not happening yeah i guess that's true <laughs> Which is, but not like that. Other people are doing a bad thing, just like right. But but I'm wondering if that's like I I don't think that should signify that to you. Good. Right. Good. I, I, I solved that I, one. Yeah, that was done. Put that in the. <laughs> I d- I do hear what you're saying though. You can find negative stuff about anything you want if you dig mm-hmm. deeply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you've decided to to view it that way. Yeah, and if you're like, well, I'm having this concert. How many people are not posting about it? This is going to go crappily. You can find many different yeah. ways to tell yourself that, you know, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. really. And whether or not, even if everybody's posting about it, you're going to be like, well, are they enthusiastically posting about it? <laughs> right. How much traction did it get? Yeah. Like, there's so many ways to make yourself feel bad about this shit. Yeah. 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 Truth. Yeah. Truth. <laughs> Goes Truth. back to guarding your joy. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Don't do deep dives. <laughs> Um, I have a question for you. Give it to me. So I was thinking about, <laughs> I was thinking about what I might want to ask you. And I was thinking mm-hmm. like, um, well, cause one thing I'm, um, thinking about in terms of like being in a long running show yeah. is like, do you feel like you're sort of like somehow removed from that pool of like being a part of the new stuff, you know? But and then I was like, my qu- I was trying to formulate this question, and I was like, how do you balance like the joy of be- being in the experience that you're having with like that, you know, wondering if like you're missing out on something else? But then I was like realizing like I'm making an assumption in, like in my question, which is that like the goal of everyone is to be in that long running show. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask you like. Is that is that like a big goal of yours? And not to say that like it isn't great when you're in it, but right. like is that a big goal of yours? You or? know, the uh, the more specific goal for me was to originate a role in a Broadway musical, yeah. like to originate yeah. a, 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 to originate a lead role was a was it, it was a specific goal that I had written down a few years mm-hmm. ago. Um, and to be really honest with you, being in a long running show uh, isn't something that I would like target. Right. Um, my f- my second Broadway experience was being in Mamma Mia for a year, yeah. and that was when I was like 26, and that was like I want to play a lead on Broadway, and the deal is, here's the opportunity. It's a year. The yeah. show had already been running for seven or eight years, mm-hmm. and so that's what I did. So it wasn't like I was trying to plug myself into a long, lasting job. I was always very clear that I wasn't going to stay for longer than a year. Do you know what I mean? And so with this, with this King Kong production there was no there and I can say truly there was no expectation that I had that it was going to run for the entire year that I'm contracted to play the role do you know what I mean it it, mm. it it felt like a risk at every turn it felt like we're doing a huge musical about King Kong people aren't gonna have doubts it could blow up in our faces it could close the same night it opens it could not open at all somebody could get hurt you know it never felt like like a real um it didn't feel like a security move to be in something long running. Yeah. Mm. But now that it feels like, oh, it might make it for the year that I'm, I'm signed up to do it. Um, I can definitely say, yeah, there is. I'm starting to be like, oh, what else is going? What else is shaking that I'm not hearing about? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just like human nature. Like you know, you get one thing and you're like, oh, I got that thing I really wanted, but remember all that other stuff that I used to do when I had the time to do it. Could you the know. microphone be placed better? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Is yeah. it going to fall over? It be tighter. Yeah. I love that you physically wrote down goals. Yeah. What else that was, was on your list? That was another artist's way thing. Mm. Where uh-huh. it was like, be like see, see what, you, what you want in five years. Be specific about ways to do it. What can you do today to do it? What can you do this week? What can you do this month? Uh, and I like realized, it's so funny that I realized this, but I re-realized this about two years ago that I really, really love musical theater. Like, in a way that I 
didn't even really fully own up until that point. I mean, I always just, you know, I moved here to do this, but I also moved here to like, to, to be on TV, to be in the, I was just gonna be an actor, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? And I'm sitting there watching my wife and Amelie mm-hmm. uh, in Los Angeles when I was having, it was having its out of town tryouts and it was really like, why are there tears rolling down my face? Oh, right, I love musical theater. <laughs> like, I love it. I'm getting emotional saying it right now, but I love it. And, um, it, and and that was at the same time that I was doing The Artist's Way, and it was like, hey, dude, like, you don't, you don't weep like this all the time. You yeah. know, like, there's something that you need to focus on here. So that was one of the goals, was like, I, I do want to originate a role in this mu- in a Broadway musical. And this... And King Kong came around, materialized, and it was like a gradual, that three-week lab thing was an audition. They were auditioning me, very clearly auditioning me. And it was stressful, but then it was over, and a couple weeks after it was over, they offered me the part in the production, and I felt like, holy shit, that never happens. They're, they're actually offering me, who, like, I'm not a name in our community. Like, I'm doing this thing. Like, you want me to do it? I want to fucking do it. And so it was like, I, I worked for this, and also, like, Two years ago, when I was like, oh, musicals, I love musicals. Like, you're an idiot. Of course I love musicals. <laughs> but, like, you need to also pay a lot more attention to that, Eric. You need to know more about what you're doing. So I, like, spent a lot of time at the Lincoln, Cedar, Lincoln Center archives mm. seeing things that I should have seen, you know, and things that I wasn't in town to see yet. What did you watch? What did you catch up on? Uh, Carolina Change oh, closed, yeah. like, three days before I moved to New York. Isn't that crazy? So I saw that. I saw uh, Assassins, a production. Mm. What are um, you? What are you? Oh my God, Floyd what Collins. Are you taking out of it when you're watching these tapes. Um, so a couple things. One, I, I would like wanted to find an actor that uh, I that I would like to emulate in like their choices. Mm. And Michael Cerveris, I, I like really wanted to watch him do things. You mean like career choices or like just, acting choices? Uh, just like somebody who I'd seen on stage, who I was like, oh, you know what? Like this guy always comes from a genuine place. He's a great musical theater actor. I yeah. want to watch what he's done before I saw him in Sweeney Todd in 2007 or whenever I saw him in it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I like sought those out. I went to see Titanic. I saw, uh, what else did I see? Uh, Oh, right. What did I just say? Assassins when he played Booth. Um, But yeah, so it was things that I like was like, oh dude, you need to see this in order to like have a conversation. And I'd have a conversation with people to like, but to like even like get more in touch with my own taste, right? Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, that was a specific thing. It was like really, let's fully embrace this love that you have, and if you really love it, you should know more about it. You know. On the topic of like all the different things you do, I saw again when I was like prepping that yeah. you also wrote and starred in a film. Yes, I just that's we just, cool. Is that cool? Yeah, we just got it's a short film, uh, but we just got back the second cut of it today, and right. I just watched it before I got here. Um, I wrote Ashley Rodbro, uh, who's a wonderful director and writer and producer. Um, her and I, she was an assistant stage manager on Blood Song of Love in 2010 mm. as a Joe Iconis musical at Ars Nova. And we just connected and we started writing stuff together and we wrote a play that was in the fringe in 2015 called Running Interference. It's a play about, <clears throat> um, I, I'm also a sports fan. Um, uh, there's been a lot of controversy with concussions and mm-hmm. the National Football League, something called CTE that uh, is like a brain disorder that occurs from multiple uh, head trauma impacts that they can't, they don't know you have it until you die because it's brain bruising. They can't tell MRIs. So we kind of like got interested in that topic. And then we were like, let's write a play about a guy who's trying to hide the fact that he has this around his like family friends for a weekend. So we like wrote that play mm-hmm. and it was a great experience. And then she started getting really interested in directing films and I started getting interested in writing them. I took a class in screenwriting that I was like really into a couple years ago and I was like well why don't we just like do it sh- she was like why don't we make a short film because I want to do this and let's do this so we did it and we shot it last March and April and um yeah it's almost ready to like get submitted to stuff That's but so yeah cool. it's also like a great way to um on the days where you don't have much to do or on the days when you do have a lot <laughs> to do and you really want to, to to keep creating your own thing it's there it's there for you to write it's there for you to like tell your own story you know yeah, yeah. so I'm it's very exciting it. i'm excited to see it too it looked really good today i was very i was i was like i actually weirdly because i'm i'm in the this one too i'm like yeah. the lead character in this short 
and it's like 17 minutes long and I actually was very proud today because I got past the fact of not cringing at my own performance how I don't know <laughs> I don't know what happened though it happened today where I was watching it as a writer and I was like oh Eric, you're not watching yourself on screen. Good for you. All right, that's that, I think that's a good way to do it. So, yeah, but to put on a different hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt I felt good about it. <laughs> cool. Yeah. That's funny that I always cringe when I see myself on film, but I assume that's because I'm not an actor, so I'm not a professional at it. But you guys cringe too. We are professional. Oh my cringers. god, I cringe yeah. when I see myself. I cringe when I hear myself. I that's cringe. Uh. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I just cringe. Just it's an all-day cringe. <laughs> Um, yeah, because I mean, I, for me, it makes, it would make way more sense if you're not a professional actor to not want to cringe because it isn't part of your stock and trade, you know, like you don't have to be hypercritical because that's not what you're like putting all your eggs in that basket. The reason I assumed that I would cringe more is because I feel like as an actor, you devote more conscious thought to like, how is this coming across? So it's less of a surprise. Right, huh. except that, like, I, I bet you you'd be shocked to realize how I think it's coming across is usually not how it's coming across. Exactly. Huh. Yeah. Exactly. And if I'm worried about how it's coming across, then I'm not doing my job, mm. weirdly. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. And so, like, when I'm in the moment of, of doing a show or whatever's being filmed, I'm feeling great about it because I'm, like, living through it. Yeah. And then watching back, I'm like, oh, that's how that played? Oh, that's how that <laughs> came out? Oh, okay, great. Well, it felt good. So, like, and and people, you know, after the performance were, like, very yeah. positive yeah. in their response. So, like, I must have done something right. But somehow it's not exactly what I thought I was doing. And so I'm like, well, I did it all wrong. <laughs> no, but I think that that's the point is that the reason that you, it's cringeworthy is because you made yourself vulnerable. Mm. Vulnerable. I said yeah. vulnerable. Vulnerable. It's that thing where it's like, well, you were being a human being. And right. that's what's making you look at yourself like, oh, right. God, yeah. All yeah. My, my guts are showing a little bit, yeah. hopefully, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like this idea of like, I think I'm telling the story in the best way that it can be told. And when I'm watching it back and it's not going how I thought it was going, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it, it, it didn't do it right. Without like giving myself that flexibility that I give to literally anyone else I watch. That like, <laughs> yep. There's such a wide range of human experience that like mm-hmm. can inhabit that story. That like the performance I'm watching is like, if it's different from what I thought it was, it's like, infinitesimal shades different oh yeah which like no one else probably is noticing no and so i just need to like give myself that permission but grace of but being it's a so hard it's so hard <laughs> to get out of your own way yeah i mean in my own way anyone's own way i mean that's like the task of what we do isn't it yeah it's like stop editing yourself yeah just stop you know i have a question what do you want about this may, I don't know if this is like salacious, in which case we don't have to talk no. about it. But so like, I feel like you you and your wife are both actresses and met on a both show. Both actresses. Yes, we are. Both, oh, no, both like actors, it. both performers, yeah. both gender neutral. <laughs> um, yes. So I'm curious, do you have like a philosophy on showmances or just like the connection you feel with a cast, if that like fueled anything for you guys or it's just a total coincidence that you found each other at a show? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. It's... I don't have like a philosophy on it. I don't think that the two of us are like, hey, like when you go do something, let yourself get swept away in another relationship. <laughs> but like, there, but there is also a thing where we both are like, oh, one of us has been doing a show in another city for like a month and or two months, and then the other one comes out to the opening, and you're like there. That like we're, we've both gotten really good at being like, oh, you know what? You should hang out with your cast tonight. Mm. I'm gonna go back to the hotel. This is not. Like inserting me into this group of people changes the group of people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and you guys made this thing together, and I didn't. And like my best way of supporting you is getting out of the way. Um, I I don't I think that like I don't know whether I just got older or whether I'm just like I'm just so clearly only in love with my wife at this mm-hmm. point. But I don't. Um, I I haven't. It hasn't really uh, become a a thing that I'm concerned about. But I do let myself get romantic about people I make stuff with, for sure. <laughs> Not like romantic, like let's go make out, but like, yeah. oh my God, you're so just 
fantastic in this part. You are like, you're perfect. I get to do I this do scene too. with you. Just like a little bit obsessed with. Completely. Yeah. Yes. When you see somebody like, just like, just like bearing it and going for it. I, I fall in love with people all the time. And like especially that. when the thing that they're just going for and doing so well on touches your thing that you worked so hard on and oh did, you know, it's just like yes. a unique connection. Completely. I bet as a writer, you're like, Oh my God, thank you. Yeah. I didn't even know that this was in my heart and you've like made me look at it in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very nice thing. So cool. I like that about articulating it though, about like the best way to support you is for me to like fade back only because I think my husband is like the most introverted human in the world. Got it. And we have also, I feel like recently been more on the, him just being like, I will meet you at home. And I like framing it as a positive thing of like, you know, this is just everyone being in their best place in a supportive way. Completely. And it's not, and it's not because you would feel awkward being there for them. It's because you know that as sweet and wonderful as you are, I know you kind of want your time with your people. And like, that's what we do. You like let somebody go a little bit so they can be romantic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know. I feel like we have mined maximal like good life advice from this hour. We went into it here. Yeah. I feel like, uh, yeah, I was like, wait, we didn't talk. Wait, we talked about, we talked about me. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) That's all, Rob.